Well, it's almost a guarantee. At some point during the beginning of December, someone you're going to hear tell you that you should make this Christmas different. You're going to be told, or you were told, be intentional with reducing the amount of stress so that you can truly enjoy the season. And it sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? I thought I'd do a little bit of check-in tonight just to kind of see where our stress levels are at over the last couple weeks before Christmas. So I've got a little scale here, a scale of one to 10 to rate your your stress level. Um, Number one is uh, you've been sleeping in heavenly peace. And uh, 10 is that you've felt a few times like you've gotten run over by a reindeer, okay? And I want you all to participate online as well. Just shout out your number um, in the room or in the car that you're listening to this on. And what number are you? On the count of three, just shout it out. I have the ability to hear all of you at the same time, okay? All right, one, two, three. I heard eight was the loudest over here somewhere. Uh, In case you're wondering about me, uh, I think I've been kind of around six or seven this Christmas, especially the last uh, couple weeks where things get definitely busier for me. I did not hear many ones or twos, I'll I'll tell you that. And being that it's Christmas, uh, I'm in a giving mood. So do you know what I want to give you tonight? I'm going to give you slack. I want you to hear from a pastor, no less, that I understand if your Christmas has felt stressful and that there hasn't seemed to be a lot of peace. It feels busy or even chaotic. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. It makes sense that Christmas would have some stress connected to it. See, as much as, we hard, as much as hard as we try at the beginning of December to make these weeks and this Christmas celebration peaceful and not chaotic and not filled with stress, the reality is there's some stress connected to Christmas. And as I was thinking about all of you, and as I was preparing for this message, I kind of came to the conclusion that most of us, when it comes to Christmas and stress, fall into one of two buckets. The first is that many of us deal at Christmas time with physical stress. It's a calendar issue. These are the people and the families, some are in this room, many are, that you're busy before December gets here, and you don't need to add a lot to your calendar to feel physical stress. It's just a little bit that will cause it. And are you going to say no to every family gathering? Are you going to not go, be the one family who doesn't go to your kid's Christmas event because you went to it last year, it wasn't real very good, and you're, you're going to give your best, you're, it's not your best yes this year to go. <laughs> um, There's gifts to buy and the Christmas Eve and day schedules to figure out with family and ugly sweaters and secret Santas and Elf on the Shelf and decorations and all of those things, right? And and so physical stress is something that it's understandable sometimes that we feel. 
The other bucket I was thinking of, and many of us maybe fall into both of these categories, is what I'll call tonight emotional stress. It's not that things for you are loud and busy. What's really hard for you is that they're quiet and you're alone. You're going through a divorce. The kids have moved away. Or someone that you really love has passed away and they're not with you this Christmas. Or some of us are dealing with some anxiety and depression. And during Christmas, when everyone's talking about jingle bells and joy to the world, it just, it shines a stronger light on the fact that you're not feeling yourself. I saw a picture online, moment of levity here, that I thought did a good job of kind of showing the, well, the challenge of the Christmas season. Here's the picture. <laughs> like, we all want to feel this, J-O-Y. And yet, for moments or maybe for the entire season, our hearts are still more feeling what, how their faces are looking, Right? Now, here's the reality that Christmas can feel chaotic, can be unsettling. And all of the work we do and all the trying that we try to avoid it can't entirely take that away sometimes. Now, do you know what you find, though, when you look at the account of the very first Christmas? What I'll tell you is that for Mary and Joseph, the, the people involved in that first Christmas, it wasn't peaceful for them. In fact, I'll say it this way, that the first Christmas included stress and busyness and even some pain. And tonight, what I'd like to do is I would like to go through the details of that first Christmas to show you the reality that even the first Christmas was a little stressful, and then go away tonight having a crystal clear understanding of the type of peace that this night and the event we celebrate can bring. <laughs> so we're going to read again from Luke chapter 2. I'm just going to read the first seven verses because those are the verses we're going to concentrate on this evening. So Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was a relative, an ancestor of David. He belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There's a lot of detail of what we just read that brought stress and chaos to the lives of Mary and Joseph. The, the first thing is this. There was 
a pregnancy that was unexpected and a pregnancy out of wedlock. When nine months before Jesus was born, Mary was told by an angel that she was pregnant, but not by the normal way, that God in a miracle put that baby inside of her so that our Savior would be both true God and true human. But understand, this entirely blew up Mary's plans for her life. And in the months that followed, and actually in the years that even followed the birth of Jesus, people would think certain things about this unwed teenager who had a baby. And it brought some stress to her life. There's no doubt about it. Fast forward nine months, and Mary is about to have a baby. But the emperor of the empire, Caesar Augustus, decides to do this, to have a census. And what he was wanting to do was to count all the people in the empire so that he could make sure that he would get the maximum number or amount of taxes. But I'm pretty sure he didn't run the timing of this past Mary. Because what it meant for Mary and Joseph was they had to travel from Nazareth in the north to Galilee in the south because Joseph's family line was originally from the area of Bethlehem. And so the next detail for Christmas and stress was an 80-mile journey, an 80-mile walk. And I did some Googling. That is like if you were to walk from here to about Winona, or from here to about St. Cloud. And it was also a journey that went up because they would have traveled about 4,000 feet in elevation by the time they got to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And we watch cartoons and movies, and they always depict nine-month pregnant Mary on a donkey. She may have been able to ride a donkey, but we don't know that for sure. No matter what, this would have been a very difficult journey for someone who's about to have a baby. And then they get to Bethlehem, and this happens. There's an unavailable guest room. And this is where I think there's lots of misunderstanding, even among Christians, about what really happened. Because typically what we think is that they got to Bethlehem, and then Mary and Joseph kind of checked out all the hotels. And there was the Best Western and the Holiday Inn, and Joseph convinced Mary to even check out the Motel 6. And all of them were full, and each one, the attendant or the innkeeper came out, and you know, in the cartoons, he's like, we have no place and no room in the inn, and they kind of point away, kind of with a mean face on. And I think why we kind of feel that or think that way is because in the King James Version of the Bible, it talked about there being no room in the inn, but there were not hotels like we think of hotels 2,000 years ago. And the best Greek or the best English word to translate the Greek word is the word guest room. Most likely what happened is that Joseph knew of some relatives, distant relatives who lived in Bethlehem because that's where his family was from or a good friend. And he thought, oh, you know, Uncle Harry, he might let us stay in their guest room. And so they get down there, but Uncle Harry's guest room is already filled But yet, he knew of an animal shelter that they could stay. And so that's the next detail of a chaotic Christmas is 
an animal shelter for the delivery. The promised savior of the world, God's son, born in an animal shelter that was not made out of wood like a stable we think of, but an animal shelter in a cave, a manger, a feeding trough as the first crib, not made out of wood, but likely cut out of the stone. And this is where the savior of the world was born. And as you look at all of these things, I mean, this would be challenging um, under normal circumstances, but did I mention Mary's having a baby, right? And there's no hospital and there's no epidurals and there's no doctors or nurses. And we don't know this for sure, but most likely it was just Joseph and Mary. Joseph, the loving husband and delivery doctor and sheep herder to get room for Mary to having the, all of that at the same time. Talk about chaos. Talk about stress. I think it's kind of funny. We look at our nativity scenes, and yours might look like this, because they all do, where Mary and Joseph are so peaceful, and there's no dirt on Mary's clothing. I've never seen the Mary, you know, figurine filled with sweat. She doesn't look like she just had a baby. And Joseph standing there with his hand on his heart, just... This is what a wonderful moment of just a perfect Christmas. I think maybe why they have his hand on his heart is because he's feeling a heart attack coming on. (laughs) Because that's the reality of the first Christmas. It was a chaotic Christmas. Not for God. God knew every detail. He had it all planned out. This humble servant king, Jesus, who had come to serve rather than to be served, the perfect place for him to be born was an animal shelter. But for Mary and Joseph, there was stress and there was pain and changed plans and long traveling and a little bit of chaos. But that same night, to the shepherds, the angels announced this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And you look at the account of Christmas and you ask yourself, where is the peace that the angels are announcing? Where is the peace that the Savior was meant to bring? It certainly doesn't look like Mary and Joseph in reality are at peace. And we look at the world and we look at our family discussion around the Christmas table maybe we look at our lives and maybe we too ask, Lord, where's the peace this Christmas? And here's why. Most of the time when we look for peace, we're wanting peace to our circumstances. Kids, please listen family, get along. Diffuser and soft music, please work. 
And yet, the truth is that when it comes to outward circumstances, your outward circumstances will never be perfectly at peace. And if they are, just wait until tomorrow. And it will change, I promise you, this side of heaven. I know some of you feel physical stress right now. I know some of you come to Christmas this year feeling sad more than happy. And you're dealing with some emotional stress. But let me just tell you, Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring peace with God. Because can I tell you about a crazy that is way worse than Christmas? It's what's going on right in here sometimes. Where I'm, I'm not the dad and husband that I thought I would be 20-whatever years ago when I began And I don't always act appropriately or react appropriately as I try my best to to lead our staff here at North Cross. And I think things that I'm embarrassed about and I say things that I wish I could take back and it's a battle. In fact, that's probably why I relate so well to these words that Paul wrote and we read them quite a bit here because I can relate. I I don't do the good I want to do but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. It's crazy in here. It's called sin. And I feel it. And you probably do as well. And it messes up the way I feel about myself. And it hurts relationships that I have with other people. And ultimately, this crazy in here, it ruins my relationship with God. But tonight is a night to celebrate. Because when Jesus came to earth, once again, he came to bring us peace with God. He didn't promise our outward circumstances would ever be perfect. But he came to make it possible for us to be a part of God's family. You know, every single one of us, we we get to a point in our lives It's typically younger than I am right now, where we begin to realize that life is short. And not the best Christmas gift under a tree, not the greatest Christmas gathering, not the perfect outward Christmas can fix that. But Jesus can, and He has. You see, we're not here tonight just to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're here to celebrate something greater. That that baby born in an animal shelter grew up to be our perfect substitute. And he chose the cross because he loves each and every one of you that much. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. By faith in Jesus tonight, we are given the greatest peace there could ever be. Because Jesus died in our place 
you're a part of God's family. And heaven is your home. Here's how Paul says it. Therefore, since we've been justified or declared not guilty by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, has, uh, has your Christmas been a little stressful? Yeah, mine, mine has been too. But even so, tonight, we celebrate peace. The peace we need the most. The peace that lasts forever. And as I was thinking about Jesus, the perfect son of God, coming down into the chaos of the first Christmas, there was some comfort I got out of that. Think about this. We learned that Jesus is not afraid of our crazy. In fact, at Christmas, he came down right in the middle of it. And he's with you tonight as well. He will give you strength when you don't feel like you have any. He will comfort your heart when you feel low. He will walk with you when you feel all alone. And he brings you peace. Peace between you and God. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, we bring a lot of different things to this celebration. And in some ways, from an outward perspective, it's almost impossible for it to be everything we're expecting it to be. But tonight, I pray that we go home realizing it is everything we need it to be. And that we celebrate the love of a Savior who took on human flesh and then died in our place. And we go home with this gift, peace. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.